0: Welcome to the Highest Court Report podcast. As always, I'm your host, Connor, and thank you for joining me today. Now, as I mentioned last week, we're going to take a brief look at some of the cases before the Supreme Court today uh, that may have regency in regards to Biden's administrative agenda. To start, let's look at one of the more contentious issues to date, reproductive rights, and more specifically, abortion. As an aside, this subject matter is especially sensitive and explicit regarding the issue of abortion itself, so I wanted to issue a disclaimer here, letting you know about the content. Okay, let's get to it. This is Episode 7, The SCOTUS Manual, Stari Decisis. The Supreme Court announced early April that it will hear the case Cameron v. EMW, Women's Surgical Center, a case defiant to a Kentucky state law that effectually requires abortion providers to kill a in utero before performing an abortion procedure known as, quote, dilation and evacuation, end quote. Yet, the immediate stakes in EMW are much uh, rather smaller than this description of the case may suggest. The court will hear the case, to be sure, but it will not actually consider whether Kentucky's law is constitutional or not, at least not yet. Instead, the Supreme Court limited its review to a narrow question whether Kentucky's Republican Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, should be permitted to bring this case to the Supreme Court at all, when no other state actor will defend the law. N- The question of who can defend a state law or appeal decisions striking down that law is a rather pertinent question in its own right. And in last week's episode, we discussed this in some detail. To wit, in Hollingsworth v. Perry, 2013, for example, the Supreme Court held that proponents of California's ban on same-sex marriage could not appeal to a lower court in striking down that ban thus effectively legalizing same-sex marriage in California. And thus, it rather turned out to be a bellwether case, indeed. However, the Attorney General Cameron solicited the Supreme Court to do way more than simply allow him to litigate the EMW case. He also asked that the Supreme Court vacate the lower court's order striking down Kentucky's anti-abortion law and the Supreme Court rather pointedly decided that it would not consider this request. Meanwhile, the justices have spent the last several months not deciding whether to hear a second abortion case, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, which asks the court to make a rather weighty incursion upon the right to an abortion itself. The court has yet to weigh in on a petition asking the justices to hear that case, which was filed last June. The court's limited action on EMW, in other words, combined with its non-action in Dobbs, suggests that the justices may be taking a slightly cautious approach to abortion, seemingly flying in the face of stare decisis. Stare decisis being a legal term referencing precedents in which justices and courts around the country are supposed to adhere to precedents in case law. The court still retains a six to three conservative majority, however, and the court did take a swipe at abortion rights last December. So the long-term future of Roe v. Wade still looks quite grim. However, at the very least, the justices, thus far, have seemed inclined to move rather slowly. Let's take a quick look at the Kentucky law regarding the EMW case for posterity's sake. Now, dilation and evacuation, the abortion term aforementioned, is the method abortion providers use to terminate a pregnancy after that pregnancy is in its 15th week. In 2018, when the state had a Republican governor, Kentucky enacted a law that effectively requires physicians to end the fetus's life before performing a dilation and evacuation. A somewhat liberal panel of the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit struck down this law, holding that it violates the Supreme Court's decision in the case Whole Women's Health v. Hellerstedt, 2016, which required courts to balance, quote, the burdens a law imposes on abortion access together with the benefits those laws confer, end quote, in determining whether a restriction on abortion is unconstitutional. Now, as the Sixth Circuit explained, the Kentucky law effectively required many abortion patients to undergo a medical procedure that exposes them to, quote, additional risks and burdens, end quote, without there being any evidence that the procedure is, quote, necessary to provide any medical benefit to the patient, end quote. After the Sixth Circuit handed down its decision, the Supreme Court decided in the case June Medical Services v. Russo 2020, a rather bellwether case, Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the controlling opinion in June Medical and his opinion criticized a balancing test laid out in Whole Woman's Health. Quote, Courts applying a balancing test would be asked, in essence, to weigh the state's interest in protecting the potentiality of human life, and the health of women. On the one hand, against the woman's liberty, interest in defining her own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. On the other, Roberts wrote in June Medical. Moreover, according to Roberts, there is no plausible sense in which anyone, let alone this court, could objectively assign weight to such imponderable values and no meaningful way to compare them if there were. He finished. So, there's a very strong argument that the balancing test laid out in Whole Woman's Health is no longer good law, as it's known, and that the Sixth Circuit should be ordered to reconsider its decision in light of Robert's opinion in June Medical. That's the relief that Cameron hoped to secure from the Supreme Court. But, It's also unclear that Cameron is allowed to seek such relief from the Supreme Court. Much of the procedural complexity in the EMW case arises from the fact that two of Kentucky's top offices recently changed hands. The Kentucky law at issue in this case was signed by then-Governor Matt Bevin, a Republican. Bevin lost his 2019 re-election bid to incumbent Governor Andy Bashir, a Democrat. When Bevin signed the anti-abortion law, Bashir was the state's attorney general. Bashir was replaced in that role by Cameron, who was a Republican. Uh, when the EMW plaintiffs originally brought this lawsuit, they sued both the Kentucky Attorney General's office and the office of its health secretary, seeking a court order blocking the anti-abortion law. At the time, Bashir was attorney general, and Adam Meir, a Republican appointed by Bevan, was held secretary. While he was still attorney general, Bashir successfully sought to be removed from the case. But this move had little immediate consequence, because Meir still intended to defend the law in court. But then, the 2019 elections happened, and both the attorney general's office and the governor's office changed hands. Governor Bashir appointed a new health secretary, Eric Friedlander, and Friedlander decided not to appeal the state's loss in the Sixth Circuit to the Supreme Court. Thus, with both the health secretary and the attorney general out of the case, there was no one to challenge the Sixth Circuit's order striking down the state's law. Except that Cameron now wants to intervene in the case a process that would allow him to appeal the Sixth Circuit's decision to the Supreme Court. The question before the justices in EMW is whether he should be allowed to do so or not. The court's decision to resolve that question, and only that question, to be sure, is a bit odd. For one thing, it's not immediately clear what happens if SCOTUS allows Cameron to intervene without also agreeing to hear the question of whether the Sixth Circuit decided this case correctly, although the justices still could conceivably send the case back down to the Sixth Circuit if they do permit Cameron to intervene. Moreover, as the unusual procedural complexities in this case demonstrate, questions about which state officials allowed to appeal a lower court decision typically turn on the specific facts of a particular case as well as the complexities of state law, which are innumerable. The justices normally bear major presidential cases that will define the law for the entire country. They are ordinarily much more reluctant to weigh in on fact specific matters such as this one. But EMW is before the justices nonetheless albeit on very narrow grounds. And this case could still end with Kentucky law being reinstated. Now, before we go today, I wanted to mention a recent dissent in a ruling regarding, yet again, COVID restrictions. This is Justice Elena Kagan's dissent on a recent case, Tandon v. Newsom. Quote, in ordering California to weakening its restrictions on at-home gatherings, the majority yet again insists on treating, quote, unlike cases, not like ones, equivocally, end quote. And it once more commands California to ignore its experts' scientific findings, thus impairing the state's effort to address a public health emergency. Because the majority continues to disregard law and facts alike, I respectfully dissent from this per curiam decision, end quote in full. Now, though this appears that partisanship is alive and well in the judiciary, especially in the Supreme Court, this is a dangerous ruling. Uh, And like this, I dread the precedent that it sets. Anyway, um, thank you very much again for joining me today. Next week we're going to continue looking at the Supreme Court docket in regards to Biden's potential regulatory or administrative uh, legislative agenda, so to speak, uh, to address the climate a bit regarding the case BP PLC v Mayor and City Council of Baltimore. Now, COVID cases are yet again on the rise. Please be safe out there. I'm your host Connor, signing off.